Book 20, Chapters 9-11 through 11, of The Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley. The Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 4 by Flavius Josephus. Translated by William Whiston. Book 20, Chapters 9 through 11. Chapter 9. Concerning Albinus, under whose procuratorship James was slain, as also what edifices were built by Agrippa. And now Caesar, upon hearing the death of Festus, sent Albinus into Judea as procurator, but the king deprived Joseph of the high priesthood, and bestowed the succession to that dignity on the son of Ananus, who was also himself called Ananus. Now the report goes that this eldest, Ananus, proved the most fortunate man, for he had five sons who had all performed the office of a high priest to God, and who had himself enjoyed that dignity a long time formerly, which had never happened to any other of our high priests. But this younger Ananus, who, as we have told you already, took the high priesthood, was a bold man in his temper, and very insolent. He was also of the sect of the Sadducees, who are very rigid in judging offenders, above all the rest of the Jews, as we have already observed. When, therefore, Ananus was of this disposition, he thought he had now a proper opportunity to exercise his authority. Festus was now dead, and Albinus was but upon the road, so he assembled the Sanhedrin of Judges, and brought before them the brother of Jesus, who was called Christ, whose name was James, and some others, or some of his companions, and when he had formed an accusation against them as breakers of the law, he delivered them to be stoned. But as for those who seemed the most equitable of the citizens, and such as were the most uneasy at the breach of the laws, they disliked what was done. They also sent to the king Agrippa, desiring him to send to Ananus that he should act so no more, for that what he had already done was not to be justified. Nay, some of them went also to meet Albinus, as he was upon his journey from Alexandria, and informed him that it was not lawful for Ananus to assemble a Sanhedrin without his consent. Whereupon Albinus complied with what they said, and wrote in anger to Ananus, and threatened that he would bring him to punishment for what he had done, on which King Agrippa took the high priesthood from him when he had ruled but three months, and made Jesus the son of Damnius high priest. Now as soon as Albinus was come to the city of Jerusalem, he used all his endeavors and care that the country might be kept in peace, and this by destroying many of the Sicarii. But as for the high priest, Ananias, 
he increased in glory every day, and this to a great degree, and had obtained the favor and esteem of the citizens in a signal manner, for he was a great hoarder up of money. He therefore cultivated the friendship of Albinus, and of the high priest Jesus, by making them presents. He also had servants who were very wicked, who joined themselves to the boldest sort of the people, and went to the thrashing floors, and took away the tithes that belonged to the priests by violence, and did not refrain from beating such as would not give these tithes to them. So the other high priests acted in the like manner, as did those his servants, without any one being able to prohibit them, so that some of the priests, that of old were wont to be supported with those tithes, died for want of food. But now the Sicarii went into the city by night, just before the festival, which was now at hand, and took the scribe belonging to the governor of the temple, whose name was Eleazar, who was the son of Ananus, Ananias the high priest, and bound him, and carried him away with them, after which they sent to Ananias and said that they would send the scribe to him if he would persuade Albinus to release ten of those prisoners which he had caught of their party. So Ananias was plainly forced to persuade Albinus, and gained his request of him. This was the beginning of greater calamities, for the robbers perpetually contrived to catch some of Ananias's servants, and when they had taken them alive, they would not let them go, till they thereby recovered some of their own sicarii, and as they were again become no small number, they grew bold, and were a great affliction to the whole country. About this time it was that King Agrippa built Caesarea Philippi larger than it was before, and in honor of Nero named it Neronlus. And when he had built a theater at Berytus with vast expenses, he bestowed on them shows to be exhibited every year, and spent therein many ten thousand drachma. He also gave the people a largesse of corn, and distributed oil among them, and adorned the entire city with statues of his own donation, and with original images made by ancient hands. Nay, he almost transferred all that was most ornamental in his own kingdom thither. This made him more than ordinarily hated by his subjects, because he took those things away that belonged to them to adorn a foreign city. And now Jesus the son of Gamaliel became the successor of Jesus the son of Damnius in the high priesthood which the king had taken from the other, on which account a sedition arose between the high priests with regard to one another, for they got together bodies of the boldest sort of the people and frequently came from reproaches to throwing of stones at each other. But Ananias was too hard for the rest by his riches, which enabled him to gain those that were most ready to receive. Costobarus also, and Saulus, 
did themselves get together a multitude of wicked wretches, and this because they were of the royal family, and so they obtained favor among them because of their kindred to Agrippa, but still they used violence with the people, and were very ready to plunder those that were weaker than themselves. And from that time it principally came to pass that our city was greatly disordered, and that all things grew worse and worse among us. But when Albinus heard that Jesius Florus was coming to succeed him, he was desirous to appear to do somewhat that might be grateful to the people of Jerusalem. So he brought out all those prisoners who seemed to him to be most plainly worthy of death, and ordered them to be put to death accordingly. But as to those who had been put into prison on some trifling occasions, he took money of them and dismissed them, by which means the prisons were indeed emptied, but the country was filled with robbers. Now, as many of the Levites, which is a tribe of ours, as were singers of hymns, persuaded the king to assemble a Sanhedrin, and to give them leave to wear linen garments, as well as the priests, for they said that this would be a work worthy of the times of his government, that he might have a memorial of such a novelty as being his doing. Nor did they fail of obtaining their desire. For the king, with the suffrages of those that came into the Sanhedrin, granted the singers of hymns this privilege, that they might lay aside their former garments, and wear such a linen one as they desired. And as a part of this tribe ministered in the temple, he also permitted them to learn those hymns as they had besought him for. Now all this was contrary to the laws of our country which, whenever they have been transgressed, we have never been able to avoid the punishment of such transgressions. And now it was that the temple was finished. So when the people saw that the workmen were unemployed, who were above eighteen thousand, and that they, receiving no wages, were in want because they had earned their bread by their labors about the temple, and while they were unwilling to keep by them the treasures that were there deposited, out of fear of their being carried away by the Romans, and while they had a regard to the making provision for the workmen, they had a mind to expend these treasures upon them. For if any one of them did but labor for a single hour, he received his pay immediately, so they persuaded him to rebuild the eastern cloisters. These cloisters belonged to the outer court, and were situated in a deep valley, and had walls that reached four hundred cubits in length, and were built of square and very white stones, the length of each of which stones was twenty cubits, and their height six cubits. This was the work of King Solomon, who first of all built the entire temple. But King Agrippa, who had the care of the temple committed to him by Claudius Caesar, 
considering that it is easy to demolish any building but hard to build it up again and that it was particularly hard to do it to these cloisters which would require a considerable time and great sums of money he denied the petitioners their request about that matter but he did not obstruct them when they desired the city might be paved with white stone he also deprived jesus the son of gamaliel of the high priesthood and gave it to matthias the son of theophilus under whom the jews war with the romans took its beginning chapter ten an enumeration of the high priests and now i think it proper and agreeable to this history to give an account of our high priests how they began who those are which are capable of that dignity and how many of them there had been at the end of the war in the first place therefore history informs us that aaron the brother of moses officiated to god as a high priest and that after his death his son succeeded him immediately and that this dignity hath been continued down from them all to their posterity whence it is a custom of our country that no one should take the high priesthood of god but he who is of the blood of aaron while every one that is of another stock though he were a king can never obtain that high priesthood accordingly the number of all the high priests from aaron of whom we have spoken already as of the first of them until phanus who was made high priest during the war by the seditious was eighty-three of whom thirteen officiated as high priests in the wilderness from the days of moses while the tabernacle was standing until the people came into judea when king solomon erected the temple of god for at the first they held the high priesthood till the end of their life although afterward they had successors while they were alive now these thirteen who were the descendants of two of the sons of aaron received this dignity by succession one after another for their form of government was an aristocracy and after that a monarchy and in the third place the government was regal now the number of years during the rule of these thirteen from the day when our fathers departed out of egypt under moses their leader until the building of that temple which king solomon erected at jerusalem were six hundred and twelve after those thirteen high priests eighteen took the high priesthood at jerusalem one in succession to another from the days of king solomon until nebuchadnezzar king of babylon made an expedition against that city and burnt the temple and removed our nation into babylon and then took josadek the high priest captive the times of these high priests were four hundred and sixty-six years six months and ten days while the jews were still under the regal government but after the term of seventy years captivity under the babylonians cyrus king of persia sent the jews from babylon to their own land again and gave them leave to rebuild their temple 
at which time Jesus the son of Josedek took the high priesthood over the captives when they were returned home. Now he and his posterity, who were in all fifteen, until King Antiochus Eupator, were under a democratical government for four hundred and fourteen years. And then the forementioned Antiochus and Lysias, the general of his army, deprived Onias, who was also called Menelaus, of the high priesthood, and slew him at Berea, and driving away the son of Onias the third, put Jaemus into the place of the high priest, one that was indeed of the stock of Aaron, but not of that family of Onias. On which account Onias, who was the nephew of Onias that was dead, and bore the same name with his father, came into Egypt and got into the friendship of Ptolemy Philometor and Cleopatra his wife, and persuaded them to make him the high priest of that temple which he built to God in the prefecture of Heliopolis, and this in imitation of that at Jerusalem. But as for that temple which was built in Egypt, we have spoken of it frequently already. Now when Jasemus had retained the priesthood three years, he died, and there was no one that succeeded him, but the city continued seven years without a high priest. But then the posterity of the sons of Asamonius, who had the government of the nation conferred upon them when they had beaten the Macedonians in war, appointed Jonathan to be their high priest, who ruled over them seven years. And when he had been slain by the treacherous contrivance of Trypho, as we have related somewhere, Simon his brother took the high priesthood, and when he was destroyed at a feast by the treachery of his son-in-law, his own son, whose name was Hyrcanus, succeeded him after he had held the high priesthood one year longer than his brother. This Hyrcanus enjoyed that dignity thirty years, and died an old man, leaving the succession to Judas, who was also called Aristobulus, whose brother Alexander was his heir, which Judas died of a sore distemper, after he had kept the priesthood together with the royal authority, for this Judas was the first that put on his head a diadem for one year. And when Alexander had been both king and high priest twenty-seven years, he departed this life, and permitted his wife Alexandra to appoint him that should be high priest. So she gave the high priesthood to Hyrcanus, but retained the kingdom herself nine years, and then departed this life. The like duration, and no longer, did her son Hyrcanus enjoy the high priesthood, for after her death his brother Aristobulus fought against him, and beat him, and deprived him of his principality. And he did himself both reign and perform the office of high priest to God. But when he had reigned three years, and as many months, Pompey came upon him, and not only took the city of Jerusalem by force, 
but put him and his children in bonds and sent them to rome he also restored the high priesthood to hyrcanus and made him governor of the nation but forbade him to wear a diadem this hyrcanus ruled besides his first nine years twenty-four years more when barzophanes and pacorus the generals of the parthians passed over euphrates and fought with hyrcanus and took him alive and made antigonus the son of aristobulus king and when he had reigned three years and three months sosius and herod besieged him and took him when antony had him brought to antioch and slain there herod was then made king by the romans but did no longer appoint high priests out of the family of asamonius but made certain men to be so that were of no eminent families but barely of those that were priests excepting that he gave that dignity to aristobulus for when he had made this aristobulus the grandson of that hyrcanus who was then taken by the parthians and had taken his sister mariamne to wife he thereby aimed to win the good will of the people who had a kind remembrance of hyrcanus his grandfather yet did he afterward out of his fear lest they should all bend their inclinations to aristobulus put him to death and that by contriving how to have him suffocated as he was swimming at jericho as we have already related that manner but after this man he never entrusted the priesthood to the posterity of the sons of asamonius archelaus also herod's son did like his father in the appointment of the high priests as did the romans also who took the government over the jews into their hands afterward accordingly the number of the high priests from the days of herod until the day when titus took the temple and the city and burnt them were in all twenty-eight the time also that belonged to them was a hundred and seven years some of these were the political governors of the people under the reign of herod and under the reign of archelaus his son although after their death the government became an aristocracy and the high priests were entrusted with a dominion over the nation and thus much may suffice to be said concerning our high priests chapter eleven concerning florus the procurator who necessitated the jews to take up arms against the romans the conclusion now gessius florus who was sent as successor to albinus by nero filled judea with abundance of miseries he was by birth of the city of clasomene and brought along with him his wife cleopatra by his friendship with popea nero's wife he obtained this government who was no way different from him in wickedness this florus was so wicked and so violent in the use of his authority 
that the Jews took Albinus to have been comparatively their benefactor. So excessive were the mischiefs that he brought upon them. For Albinus concealed his wickedness, and was careful that it might not be discovered to all men. But Gassius Florus, as though he had been sent on purpose to show his crimes to everybody, made a pompous ostentation of them to our nation, as never omitting any sort of violence, nor any unjust sort of punishment, for he was not to be moved by pity, and never was satisfied with any degree of gain that came in his way, nor had he any more regard to great than to small acquisitions, but became a partner with the robbers themselves. For a great many fell then into that practice without fear, as having him for their security, and depending on him that he should save them harmless in their particular robberies, so that there were no bounds set to the nation's miseries. But the unhappy Jews, when they were not able to bear the devastations which the robbers made among them, were all under a necessity of leaving their own habitations, and of flying away, as hoping to dwell more easily anywhere else in the world among foreigners than in their own country. And what need I say any more upon this head? since it was this Florus who necessitated us to take up arms against the Romans, while we thought it better to be destroyed at once than by little and little. Now this war began in the second year of the government of Florus and the twelfth year of the reign of Nero. But then what actions we were forced to do and what miseries we were enabled to suffer may be accurately known by such as will peruse those books which I have written about the Jewish war. I shall now, therefore, make an end here of my antiquities, after the conclusion of which events I began to write that account of the war, and these antiquities contain what hath been delivered down to us from the original creation of man until the twelfth year of the reign of Nero, as to what hath befallen the Jews, as well in Egypt, as in Syria, and in Palestine, and what we have suffered from the Assyrians and Babylonians, and what afflictions the Persians and Macedonians, and after them the Romans, have brought upon us. For I think I may say that I have composed this history with sufficient accuracy in all things. I have attempted to enumerate those high priests that we have had during the interval of two thousand years. I have also carried down the succession of our kings and related their actions and political administration without considerable errors, as also the power of our monarchs, and all according to what is written in our sacred books. For this it was that I promised to do in the beginning of this history. And I am so bold as to say, now I have so completely perfected the work I propose to myself to do, that no other person, whether he were a Jew or a foreigner, had he ever so great an inclination to it, 
could so accurately deliver these accounts to the Greeks, as is done in these books. For those of my own nation freely acknowledge that I far exceed them in the learning belonging to Jews, I have also taken a great deal of pains to obtain the learning of the Greeks and understand the elements of the Greek language, although I have so long accustomed myself to speak our own tongue that I cannot pronounce Greek with sufficient exactness. For our nation does not encourage those that learn the languages of many nations, and so adorn their discourses with the smoothness of their periods, because they look upon this sort of accomplishment as common, not only to all sorts of free men, but to as many of the servants as please to learn them. But they give him the testimony of being a wise man who is fully acquainted with our laws and is able to interpret their meaning on which account as there have been many who have done their endeavors with great patience to obtain this learning there have yet hardly been so many as two or three that have succeeded therein who were immediately well rewarded for their pains and now it will not be perhaps an invidious thing if i treat briefly of my own family and of the actions of my own life while there are still living such as can either prove what i say to be false or can attest that it is true with which accounts i shall put an end to these antiquities which are contained in twenty books and sixty thousand verses and if god permit me i will briefly run over this war and to add what befell them further to that very day the thirteenth of domitian or a d o three is not that i have observed taken distinct notice of by any one nor do we ever again with what befell us therein to this very day which is the thirteenth year of the reign of caesar domitian and the fifty-sixth year of my own life i have also an intention to write three books concerning our jewish opinions about god and his essence and about our laws why according to them some things are permitted us to do and others are prohibited End of Book 20, Chapters 9 through 11. End of Book 20. End of the Antiquities of the Jews by Flavius Josephus. Translated by William Whiston. Recording by Bill Mosley, Frelsburg, Texas, USA.